Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. All right, time now for the GM Shuffle draft recap. Everything that you needed to know but didn't realize you needed to know. That's right, quarterback controversies, moves that may have gone under the radar, father-son duos, Jameis Winston, the Saints, discussing a contract. We'll make you sputter all over the place. But first and foremost, Mike, you know, there's so much talk about when I work on these boards, right? Okay, here's who's left on the board. Here's the best available player. And, of course, that's always subjective. Here's the name I want to start with with you because according to Mel Kuyper's board and other people's boards, hey, Jake Fromm, this guy's a key guy. How could a guy be that great and well as a quarterback, according to so many, follow the Buffalo Bills in the fifth round? I mean, look, you know, I think basically the teams that do their work, I think Jake Fromm got a victim of the coronavirus because people couldn't really get to know him. Jake Fromm is a kid that people like. He's got leadership skills. He's smart. He's a coach's pet. You know, he's always prepared. He's ready to go. You know, he'll do whatever it is. I mean, look, you know how I feel about grades, but, you know, Mel wrote, Mel Kuyper wrote that his biggest issue with the Patriots and why he gave him a C minus, which is interesting. I'm sure that's great, is because they passed on Jalen Hurts, Jacob Eason, and Jake Fromm. And they kept Jarrett Stidham. Like, okay, I get that Mel likes Hertz, Eason, and Fromm better than he likes Jarrett Stidham. But here's the problem. Here's the real issue, right? Like, he's never watched Stidham play the whole year that he's been in New England. So he can't really tell how much progress he's made. And he's comparing three players to him that haven't really. And I think that you've got to believe that the Patriots have compared Stidham to this. And so instead of taking the approach, I'm giving them a bad grade because they ignored these three players. I think the approach is they clearly think Stidham's better than those three players. And we made this thing about Fromm. I mean, it became an obsession. You know, Jake Fromm's not getting like, look, I think it was pretty clear before the draft process. Eason had some off the field stuff people were worried about. The Colts drafted him. And I'm not talking about bad off the field stuff. I'm talking about, you know, accountability, reliability, all those things that you want in your leader, right? People were concerned about that. So that's why he slipped. I mean, Fromm is probably always going to be a backup quarterback. And who wants to draft? I mean, they have Matt Barkley on Buffalo. I'm not sure Fromm's going to beat out Matt Barkley. Like, I'm not sure that's going to happen. And then Hurts, please, like, I know the Eagles drafted him in the second round. But there's no way Jalen Hurts is going to be able to walk into New England and beat out Jarrett Stidham. There's just no way. He might do it in three years, but they clearly made that decision. So, like, I just think we get caught on a narrative on the draft. I mean, you know, besides being so depressing, I mean, I felt like I listened to four hours of Neil Young. It was so depressing. <laughs> and then my man Luke Bryan, is he still playing? I mean, look, I know when Springsteen plays New York Serenade, it goes on forever. I love it. But that song lasted forever. Listen, it got very strange later the rounds. Get, I get the fact Roger Goodell is getting a little tired. He needs a nap. He can't keep announcing every single pick. But it's like in the middle of the NFL draft, an entertainment show picked out. And Luke Bryan, I mean, listen, maybe I'm just not a country guy, Mike, but I don't need Luke Bryan. I'm looking for information, team needs. I want football, football, football. Like, how hard would it be for ESPN? Like, I'm not saying Mel's needs are the ones, because, you know, everybody has different needs for teams, right? I'm not being critical of Mel. But, like, once the team makes a pick, you know, do we have to keep seeing Mel's needs without an update of their needs? Like, can't we just put like a red line through them? 
Or can't we do that? Like the whole draft, I, uh, the whole thing, I was like, look, I mean, I'm sad about the coronavirus. I mean, in the state of New Jersey, we've lost over 5,000 people. You know, Al Davis, every time someone would die, I would say, Mr. Davis, did you, did you know that John, somebody died? You know, he said, I, 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 I've got no more tears left. I've got no more tears. I can't cry no more. You know, and I kept thinking of, of that, like, I'm sad. Like, you're making me sadder with all this stuff. And I don't think I was the only one. Like I was like everybody that I was talking to via text, they were saying the same thing. This was supposed to be uplifting. And certainly it was great to have it on television, but like, I don't need to be depressed during the whole freaking thing. Well, there was another part of it to that point then Mike, because sometimes a guy would get drafted and the graphic would say, you know, mother, uh, overcame drug addiction or, you know, brother has alcohol, et cetera. So some people were making a, a, an issue with that as well. Say, Hey, listen, I don't necessarily care about these backstories. I just want to know about the guy themselves. This one, I don't want to, I, I get both sides. ESPN's Park and say, listen, it's a human interest story, okay? We're not just going to tell you about his 40 time. This is what he's come through with the adversity he's overcome. Other people said, okay, enough. I don't want to know about every single guy's troubled past. Yeah, I mean, look, they all are. And I think it's remarkable where they've gotten. How depressed must be the guy who dug up all this research? He had to go home at night for the last three months and like, oh, my God, I'm depressed. This poor kid had to come over. I mean, there's tragic stories. I mean, that guy's probably got to go get help now. He's depressed, you know. He's probably on Zoloft because he's had to write so many cards that said this guy's, you know, happened. I get it. They're all upset. It's hard, you know. But why do we have to be that? Don't tell me what the player is going to do. Like, the, I'm telling you, the ESPN draft room, that was the Will Rogers of draft rooms. Everybody agreed. There wasn't one disagreement. Everybody's great. Everybody's agreed. Everybody's wonderful. You know, meanwhile, the city of Philadelphia is almost having a colossal heart attack because Jalen Hurt got picked in the second round, and everybody on TV is happy. You know, it's like, okay, like, there has to be some form of – it's a draft. None of us agree on all the players. It makes me think of a, a friend for Schiller, my old friend from ESPN College Basketball Analyst. And once in reference to a pact that the Raptors made, one of the picks they made, he goes, he's two years away from being two years away, which is one of the funniest lines ever. And the point is, you got to be critical sometimes. And I agree with you. Oftentimes, every single pick was, this is great, this is great. I think they miss Todd McShay because Todd and Mel can light it up together. They can disagree. They'll go at it. But let's dive in with the Eagles stuff, Mike, because you're right. That was the move that really stirred up instant conversation in the city of Philadelphia. Oklahoma quarterback Jalen Hurts picked in the second round of the draft. 53rd overall pick. You gave Carson Wentz a four-year, $128 million deal, and then also now you draft Hurts. Now, Howie Roseman said the decision to draft Hurts was independent of Wentz, adding there's no threat to Carson here. But Mike, for a team that's got so many needs elsewhere, for God's sakes, that graphic of Wentz being the first guy to throw for 4,000 yards, you not have a single receiver get 500 receiving yards. And I get the fact they got Jalen Rieger in the first round, although I would have liked Jefferson instead. And I understand the trade for Marquise Goodwin, who's coming off an injury plague season. But are you kidding? You can't get a linebacker? I mean, Nigel Bradham's gone. Look at the corners. They picked up two corners, but the corners were weak. You have all those resources, and in the second round, you pick a quarterback who, yeah, okay, great. They're like, we can use him in the Wildcat. We can use him down a first and goal. Like, are you kidding? I, I couldn't believe they took Hurts there. Yeah, I mean, and then they say that Marty Morningwig was obviously part of the responsibility of the team that brought Lamar in, and he was part of that evaluation process, and he felt very similar in Jalen as he did with Lamar. I mean, like, seriously? Like, what are you trying to sell me? You know, they drafted Lamar to be a starting quarterback. Are you trying to sell me that Jalen Hurts is going to be your starting quarterback? Is that what you're trying to sell me on? Okay, so then you're selling me on how he says that 
they're in the quarterback development business, which, okay, great. That's a good business to be in. Ron Wolf was in it for years. You know, he took Mark Brunell in the fifth round, turned him into a, a higher draft pick. He took uh, Matt Hasselback. He turns him in. That's a great business to be in. But when you put out a second round pick, you lay that down, that, that value down, how do you get it back? How are you going to get it back? And I don't really want to hear that this is going to become Taysom Hill. Can you imagine? Taysom Hill was a $100 waiver claim. Now, he just got a huge contract we'll talk about later with the Saints. But there was no investment in Taysom Hill. The Saints created Taysom Hill. That's called player. Like, this is you're paying blue chip dollars for what are you going to get out of it? Three plays a game? Eight plays a game? Now, if you're saying to me, look, we had to protect ourselves. Carson's only played nine plays in the playoffs. He has a tendency to get hurt, and I would be the first guy to say, hey, look, I agree. You need a backup quarterback. However, that being said, Jalen Hurts is a little bit like Fran Frisella said. He's a year away from being a year away. It's going to take him some time to put him under center and not have to change your offense dramatically. Like, that's what I don't get. And here's where I really have a problem with, and this is partly because – of how I was trained by Walsh of the draft. If we're picking in the second round, what we're saying with that player is we're saying that player has the potential. Within six games, eight games, 12 games, he will start for our team and he will be a solid starter. That's what we're saying with that pick. Now, I can't say, look, you know how I felt about Hurts. I can't say that about Hurts. Like, I don't see starter ability in that guy. I don't see the athleticism of Lamar. I don't see that. I mean, I see a really good kid. I see a great kid. I think what he did when he got benched in that playoff game and he came over, I see a tremendous human being. I see a competitive I, I think all that's great. I love it. But I don't see starter. And I have a hard time understanding how you pick that guy as the starter. And I would have a hard time believing in my heart of hearts, if you polled everybody in the Eagle organization that they had Hurts as the fourth best quarterback on their board. I just have – there's a couple things that I don't believe in this draft. I don't believe A.J. Terrell was ranked higher on anybody's board than C.D. Lamb. Atlanta picked Terrell. Just admit you went for need. That's all I care about. Just admit you went for need. We can discuss the Terrell evaluation later. But to me – they should have been going berserk on that, and they got to be going berserk. On, on the 53rd pick, you're picking a guy who essentially you're saying it should be a starter within a short period of time, and you can't say that about this kid. Terrible pick, and what was even more laughable was Howie Rose from the Eagles GM who said afterwards, I feel like today was a difference-making day for our organization, for our football team. I really feel like we added a lot of good players, a lot of Eagles mentality to our football team. This reminds me when an actor, every single time, Mike, any of these actors for Cinephile, which of course you can listen to right here on Apple Podcasts and Cadence 13, they always say, you know what, I, this is the best one I've ever made. I'm the most proudest of this project. This is the best work of my career. Like, what else are they going to say? I mean, honestly, this is an absolute turkey. My best work was 10 years ago. I just took the cash and I'm mailing it in. Like, what else is Howie Roseman going to say? Oh, this was, a, this was an incredible draft. Risk. No, it wasn't. You screwed the pooch on the Hurts pick. Everybody knows it. The Rieger pick raises eyebrows. I think later on the draft, they made a bit, few better picks, but there's no way, there's no way this is going to turn out well for them. I mean, that's what they, I mean, why does he have to even sell the pick? Like, why do you have to sell the pick? Like, just look, here. what we did was in the best interest of our football team. We think this is going to prove out. You know, there's a lot of questions about whether Rieger's going to be able to handle it. You know, and can Rieger come in and play? I don't think Rieger's a starter in 2020. I think Rieger's going to have a hard time playing. The Goodwin deal, look, Goodwin can explode, and he's got skill set, but can he stay healthy? Between Goodwin, Jackson, 
and Jeffrey, they've they got potential to have three guys on IR at receiver. There's no doubt about that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And I think when you look at their team, like you don't have to sell. Like, you know, and, and look, let's face it, Philly was going crazy, and it just seems to me like Howie was trying to make sure that he answered all the critics with his words. He, you know, he just – because they were getting on him. You can't make Philly happy. You're not going to make them happy until you. it's proven on the field. So why do you engage? Last point here on the Eagles, and then we'll transition to the Packers and other news. But you'll appreciate this. I kept thinking of your man, Al Davis. I said, how he thinks he's the Raiders. Like, if you're fast, he's drafting you. Every single one of those picks, whether it was Rieger or Goodwin, like, oh, we got to get some burners. And he's right. Listen, they needed more playmaking ability. They needed speed. But I don't think these guys are the answers. Because as you said, each one of those guys has a serious question mark next to his name. You know, and look, uh, you go through and look at all the players that they spent time with. They spent time with Mims. They spent time with K.J. Hamler. Like, to me, they say, well, K.J. Hamler's too small. He's as big as Deshaun Jackson. Like, don't tell me that, you know. And, you know, Mims, I mean, Joe Douglas gets Mims, like, way later in the draft. So, you know, I know they spent time with James Morgan, the, the quarterback that got drafted by the Jets. So, you know, look, I think this is one of those things that I really believe that Howie really saw this as a, as a visual and whether Peterson could make it come true with the offense, that remains to be seen. We'll see it. I mean, it's the proof's going to be, but, and how can they affect it? Because Carson's got to make the plays. That's the key to their football team car. They're paying Carson to make all the plays. So we're spending so much time talking about a guy that really can't, shouldn't impact if the Eagles are going to go anywhere. Feels like a wasted pick to me, especially second round. I mean, listen, you want to take a flyer on a guy later, fine. Second round, that's crazy. We talked about Aaron Rodgers and this whole situation with the Packers on the Friday GM Shuffle. Take a listen to that. I just want to do one minute here, Mike, before we go to the Saints and Taysom Mill. I just wanted you to react to this quote specifically because, you know, everyone's going to say, hey, there's no issue. And Matt LaFleur, the second-year coach, denying that it means Aaron Rodgers' time is coming to an end. But, of course, Rodgers is around the same age that Brett Favre was when Rodgers was drafted. Now you to passing the torch, Jordan Love, etc. I just wanted a reaction to this quote for a minute. Packers left tackle David Bakhtiari said during the NFL's draft-a-thon live stream, Aaron is about to be on fire. Like, do we have any doubt that Aaron Rodgers right now is so pissed beyond all belief the Packers didn't draft a single receiver? Yeah, I mean, look, I hope he is on fire. And I hope that, you know, that he takes his game to another level. And I think that's what it's going to take. Last year, he threw 26 touchdown passes, right? You know, and... In 2016, he threw 40, you know, and the last time he has been above 7.5 yards per attempt was in 2014. He was at 8.4. I hope he does. I hope he takes it to another level. I I mean, he's going to need to. And look, Devontae Adams was great, but he missed four games last year. You know, he missed four games. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams was the second leading receivers on the team. Jimmy Graham was the fourth and he's playing for the Bears now. So, you know, you're right. They got to get playmakers. They got to find a way to get another guy on the field. And I think that's what Brian, the Gutekus, the GM's got to do now. He's got to find a way to get another player on the field. And with all these receivers being drafted, there's going to be an opportunity. Look, the draft, just because the draft's over today doesn't mean that you can't improve your football team. You're going to have all of May, all of June, all of July, August. You got a bunch of time. There's going to be guys that are fall apart. You could trade a draft pick. Like, it's not the end of the world. Like, this isn't it. Like, you're not allowed to add anybody to the team. Just relax. You know, we're not shooting a Western here. Just calm down. <laughs> this isn't Shane over here. Let's move over to the New Orleans. <laughs> no, actually, now I want to know your favorite Western. Go ahead, Mike. 
My way, oh, I mean, I think Dean Martin's in would be my. I mean, I don't know. I love Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. I think those are great. You know, my mother used to watch when she was sick, and I would watch movies with her. She always wanted to watch a western, and we it somehow it always would be the same one. And she said, "Would you mind if we watch this?" And I'm like, "Oh no, that's fine." You know, like I've seen it 86 times, but we'll watch it one more time. <laughs> I, I wish I could watch it one more time again. A vote for Red River, perhaps Montgomery Cliff, John Wayne. All right, to the Saints, they agree to resign quarterback Taysom Hill to a deal through 2021. Now, this takes the place of the one year 4.6 million dollar tender they'd previously offered him. So the deal is worth 21 million, including. 60 million fully guaranteed at signing, plus a million more in percent, uh, excuse me, in performance incentives. That's interesting. And also, the Saints traded all the remaining picks to draft a tight end. This was crazy. They traded up to draft Dayton tight end Adam Troutman in the third round, number 105 overall. The Saints made a trade with the Vikings to move up and draft another player in the third round. They gave up the rest of their picks. It gave the Vikings 17 total picks, including 13 on Saturday. Big time moves here for the Saints, Mike. The Saints understand that there's an opportunity to get other draft picks, right? So Walsh used to say all the time, the NFL gives you a chance to get better. You just got to know when to take advantage of it. And he even went more specific into it. He said, look, you always get an extra fifth. You always probably get two sixes and you'll get two sevens. They're just on somebody else's roster and they're going to get cut. We just got to figure out who they are. And that's what Sean's going to do. I mean, he got Taysom Hill for $100. I mean, how he paid a second for a guy he's hoping to become Taysom Hill and they got him for $100. So, and Howie's in the development business of quarterbacks. So we'll see where that goes. But the reality here is they did a good job with their draft. And what they did at the end of the draft, I thought was fascinating. Now, see, this is where I think the viewers got cheated a little bit because like the trades were an oblivious, right? No, we couldn't even get the trades. Wikipedia had every trade, except we couldn't get them on our television. Like, I kept asking, like, what did they give up for that? Like, what did they give up for that? Like, nobody's telling me this is going on. Like, that's part of the draft. Like that's like somebody in ESPN in the computer department couldn't put a graphic together and they're getting it right off the machine from the league office. So here's what the Saints do, which I thought was fascinating, right? The Mississippi State quarterback, Tommy Streeter, right? So he's available and he's not going to probably get drafted. So I'm sure there was a team out there that in the seventh round, what, what goes on in the seventh round for fans is once you get done, you know, once you pick in the seventh or even at before you pick in the seventh, you have all your coaches calling the kids you think are free agents. Hey, we really want you. You know, we're going to sign you. We're going to pay you really good money, you know, yada, yada, yada. And so what happened was when the Saints called for Streeter, right, the Streeter said, no, I, I'm going to go to another team. I got a free agent deal already. Or they called his agent and he said, no, we got to deal with another team already. So what do the Saints do? The Saints are smart. What do they do? They end up, they call Houston and they say, hey, We'll give you our sixth next year. Give me your seventh right now. Houston's like, I don't give a shit. You can have it. They probably made that phone call to four or five teams before they actually got somebody to say yes. And they take Streeter, and the team that thought they were going to get him doesn't get him. And Seattle did the same thing. So now Streeter comes in, and he could be their next Taysom Hill. Big arm, athlete. I don't know if he'll be any good or not, but that's the mentality. And I think that's where, you know, Sean's smart. I mean, he doesn't really – it doesn't have to go as planned. It has to go as he planned. It's interesting because also with regards to the Saints, like you said, it's, it's about planning. It's about seeing the right decisions and getting it done. Well, how about this potential wrinkle here with Jameis Winston? The fact that the Bucs quarterback of the Saints discussing a deal – According to Yahoo Sports, a one-year contract close to being finalized. I mean, this is interesting. We've talked so much about quarterbacks on this GM shuffle, and we do all the time. But for Winston, who is a guy who's got a big arm but clearly has way too many turnovers and is too mistake-prone, 
Not the worst idea in the world to go to New Orleans, hang out for a year behind Drew Brees. Brees had signed a two-year deal. He could finish up in one year, though, and go right to NBC. And then all of a sudden, Jameis Winston, you wish Sean Payton was one of the game's great signal callers. This is interesting. It really is. I mean, you know, and Winston's played nine games against them. He's three and six against the Saints. He's had some moments, but he's also obviously he's on a three game losing streak. He's thrown 11 touchdown passes against them. He's got 10 interceptions. He's had the last time he played them on in 11, 17, he threw a four bagger. You know, he had four of them. So in two games, he basically had seven interceptions. And, and both of those games were towards the end of the year. Look, I think this is a brilliant move by Joel Siegel and, and Jameis Winston. They're not going for money. They made it very clear they're going for the opportunity to get coached by a really good coach. And the rich get richer. Look, I'm hard on Jameis as much as anybody. But Sean Payton's a really good quarterback coach. And he's going to take this guy, and all of a sudden he's going to bridge himself from one guy to the next guy. And if he comes in there and Winston shows Sean the work ethic, the leadership, the intangibles, you know, he knows he's got Taysom Hill for two years. Now, all of a sudden, Breeze goes to NBC, hangs out with Al Michaels. Next thing you know, you got your quarterback for the future. I love the move. I love the move for both. I think it's a win-win for both. And, and, and I love the Saints, and I love what they've done. You know, they draft Cesar Ruiz. How about this, A.D.? The Michigan football team, think about this now. The University of Michigan football team had every starting offensive lineman drafted. We got Ruiz picked by the Saints in the first round, right? We got Bredesen picked by the, the Ravens in the fourth. We've got Donna picked by the Chiefs in the fifth. We got Owenu, I think if I say his name right, in the sixth. And we got running in the sixth by the Patriots and the Packers. If I'm Jim Harbaugh right now, I'm saying like, fellas, we have five starting offensive linemen on our football team, and we weren't more dynamic on offense. Like there's something wrong there. You got to say there's something wrong, right? But Ruiz now brings comes into the Saints – they can dump Larry Wolford's salary. They can pick up Capper. Larry Wolford will be available. He was available before the draft. He'll be available now for basically nothing. If a team wants a starting guard and reduces salary, you can pick him up. I mean, they get it. They get it. They move around. They're not afraid to make moves. Uh, back to your point about Winston, I agree with you. It's just nice to see a player basically putting ego aside, right? This isn't a case of, hey, I'm a starting quarterback. It's like, no, I'll take a step back to take two steps forward. I'll be a backup to learn and get the tutelage of Peyton, and then it's going to pay off, and then you better pay me because then I'm going to be all that much worth it. You mentioned John Runyon. One thought before we take a quick break. I like the theme of the father-son duos in the draft, Mike. Antoine Winfield, drafted by the Bucs, dad of former Viking safety. Michael Pittman Jr., drafted by the Colts. Of course, his dad played with the Buccaneers. Thaddeus Moss, drafted by TBC, the son of Randy Moss. Van Jefferson, son of Sean Jefferson. Runyon, you mentioned, an O-lineman, drafted by the Packers, son of a former Eagle and congressman. Jalen Rieger, drafted by the Eagles. He's a son of a former Eagle and Monte Rieger. And what the heck are you talking about? Charlie Heck, the O-lineman, drafted by the Texans. He's the son of the Chiefs O-line coach and former player, Tom Heck. Always cool to see the bloodlines here in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it's, it makes me feel really old because I've scouted every one of those fathers. That's a, Andy Heck I scouted. Monte Rieger, you know, he played for the Colts and the Eagles, but I scouted his ass too. It's like, geez, oh man, Antoine Winfield, I scouted him at Ohio State. Like, I'm old. Like, I watched that really old. But, you know, going back to Winston, I, I think Winston was unfeached Lamana. You know, when Feach wanted to get everything back, you know, he wanted his, you know, he needed to get all this shit back. That Winston didn't do that. Winston, like, took his time. He's going to take it. He don't want it all back. He's not Richie Aprile. He don't want to have his, he doesn't want to get his shine going again. They're going to take their time. I think that's the right approach. Because look what happened to Feach and look what happened to Richie. 
you, when you're patient and you're trying to rebuild your career again, it's a smart play. You can learn from those two guys. <laughs> I love Robert Lozier. Needed a lot more of each of the show. All right, coming up next. People always talk about draft grades when it comes to draft. They talk about winners and losers. Why we think that stuff is nonsense. We'll explain next on the GM Shuffle. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second-round playoffs have been unreal, and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in. Instantly, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. As mentioned earlier, we're not going to do draft grades because what the hell are we talking about when it comes to draft grades? Here's a specific quote from Mel Kuyper. And as Mike said, we're not taking a shot at Mel, but I just want to use this as a kind of a microcosm of what it means when it comes to drafts. Mel wrote, Baltimore fortified the middle of its defense. It gave up 4.4 yards per carry last season, most in franchise history, got a playmaker to help Jackson in the slot, and picked a tackle with guard experience who could compete to take over for Marshall Yanda along with fourth-round pick Ben Bredesen. I'm also a big fan of James Proche, a super productive pass catcher who could fill a role, and safety Geno Stone could be a special team's menace as a rookie. Getting him in the seventh round is stellar. General manager Eric DaCosta had another really strong draft. Expect Baltimore to be a Super Bowl contender again. So the Ravens taking two of Kuiper top players no wonder they got a's right mike yeah i mean look it was pretty obvious obviously i think well, ba- well mel's a baltimore guy he's a season ticket holder with the ravens i think yeah, so obviously him and DaCosta, they must have dialogue and must be friends because, you know, I kept seeing the, the receiver from Texas. Mel's got to take him. Next thing I know, oh, Baltimore takes him, right? And then, you know, Mel went off. What a great pick that was, right? And then, of course, Proch was on his list for a while. I was on that list for a long time. And can he make their team? Is he going to be the slot receiver? I mean, I don't know. You know, where is Baltimore with this draft? Look, I think Queen's a really good player. They need a linebacker. They need a front seven. I think the fact that they gave up over 4.4, I don't think they really care. They play nickel most of the time. You know, they play nickel defense most of the time. They barely play base. I'm sure if they wanted to take the run defense and play different, they would. But nobody really plays that way. They want to get their nickel on the field. So, do I think they made a good draft? Yeah, look, I think the Ravens do smart things. I think the key to their season is going to be can they throw the ball better? And the key to their season is will they not get impatient? Will they remember who they are? Will they understand who they are? Will they continue to remind themselves who they are? Because if they let Lamar throw it 50 times, it don't matter what kind of draft they have. They're not going to win those teams. they got to decide who they are, what they are, and we'll see what goes on. So 
But these draft grades are ridiculous, AD. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, look, I wasn't a good student, but I mean, this is like unbelievable. Guys get bad grades. And then when you go back and look at the grades and, and compare them to the time, I mean, seriously, did Baltimore get a good grade when they drafted Lamar or they did they get it as an athlete? I don't remember, but you get a good grade when you do what the person who's grading you agrees with you. <laughs> it all comes down to bias. How does that make any sense? I mean, I think you're right. We missed McShay's arguing with them. I mean, we missed it because there was no debate back and forth. Like, everybody was great. I mean, even Mel Kate, like, the, the, McShay loved love. He loved him more than anybody, right? And Mel ended up giving into that one, too. You know, but when the Raiders passed on him, they didn't say anything. And then when Ruggs went, the first was nobody said a word. It was like, okay. And then when AJ, I mean, I know Mel was all over AJ. He didn't really think he was very good. But if you talk to anybody in the league, nobody, like how was AJ Terrell that highly rated that Atlanta could get away with passing over? A, a, like that's all about the horizontal board. Like I don't understand that one. Well, that's why the whole point of draft grades, like you said, is ridiculous because it's just about bias. So because I like this guy and then they pick the guy, well, then I give them an A. Or like you said, there's always relationships with front office people, et cetera. So, hey, I'll pat your back. I'll put a big headline, say you got an A+. plus. Yeah, help me out with something else, et cetera. So like I said, it's all kind of nonsense. That brings us to the whole point about winners and losers. Same thing as draft grades. It's just ridiculous because it's all about one man's opinion. Having said that, I will give you my opinion on a team that I think won the draft or did very well, and that's the Cowboys. We talked about Friday's CD Lamb. You made the point about Listen, if he's a number three receiver, good luck with that defense because all of a sudden you've got to worry about two other guys. Obviously, Namari Cooper and Gallup. You still got Zeke in the backfield. CeeDee Lamb is a number three option. Pretty good. Trevon Diggs is the corner. Brother Stefan. That helps your secondary. And then Neville Gallimore. I mean, the best Neville since Neville Chamberlain or perhaps the Neville brothers. <laughs> Neville Gallimore. I'm hyping him up because he's Canadian. He's from Ottawa. He's a big D tackle. I mean, Reggie Robinson, they got a corner. I hate to say it. The Cowboys, Mike. Now, you have, now that you have a coach, that's what you keep forgetting. You keep seeing images of Mike McCarthy. All oh, right, that's right. The Clapper's gone. They actually have a good coach now. And these are some good picks that Jerry Jones and company made. You know, I like the Cowboys draft. And here's what I like. I like Reggie Robinson, the corner that they got. I think Reggie Robinson could be a really good player. They get a corner, you know, late in the draft that can run, and he's got ability to make plays. And I think that, you know, he's long. He's got length. He, he's physical. I think that's a great. And then I think here's where I think they hit the home run. They take two guys, like the man Neville, and they take – Adi, I think his name is, the defensive end from Utah, didn't have a great time. And then you combine those two players with probably one of the best D-line coaches in the league and Jim Tomasula. Now you got to get a chance to really get better there. You got to Because the D-line coach is going to make them better. Like Baltimore, they drafted Matamuki. Like, okay, Matamuki is a talented player, right? But they're going to have to really kick his ass to get him to play. They're going to have to be on him all the time. They're going to have to be on him to be on the to, to really get there. So, you know, your D-line coach has got to be almost a lion tamer. He's got to have a top hat and a whip because when you can get that D-line to play at a high level, man, they can be really good. And clearly, Thomas Sula can do that. He does it. He's really in there because there's a lot of guys that are in that D-line room that are hard to coach, not because they're just inherent – assholes they're just difficult they have some issues you know you, you know if anybody watched defensive line play from the field you realize what a violence it is and it takes a little uniqueness to play the position and I think you got to have the right coach you can't have a guy who babies them you got to have a guy who's going to drive them get them in shape and that's what Thomas Sula does so I like what the Cowboys did I really do I like what Denver look I've been critical of Denver I like what Denver did. I think K.J. Hamler, to me, was the steal. They get him. They get Judy. They get a starting center in their draft. You got to like what they do. You know, I actually kind of 
Now, nobody talks about this because they didn't have a first-round pick, but, you know, what the Rams did, here's another example of, you know, you've got to be able to have the right coach. I think Cam Akers will be a really good running back for the Rams. They get him at 52. Van Jefferson, maybe he can replace Brandon Cooks. They're going to have to sign Cooper Cucks to an extension. That's going to be expensive. So they take Terrell Lewis, who was really the most unhappiest guy I've ever seen in this draft room. Here's a five-star kid, right? Washington, D.C., every team in the country, every college wanted him, right? And he went to Alabama, and he just couldn't stay healthy, right? He couldn't stay healthy, you know, and then finally he get in there. And last year was the first year he really played. So, I like, I know you're a five-star, but, you know, you didn't play like it all the time. But if they get that kid to be able to play and rush instead of pouting like he was doing on draft day and really get him, those first three picks – that, to me, could be a huge upgrade for the Rams. I mean, that's something they need where nobody's really talking about that. Like everybody, you know, you got to have this. Or Pittsburgh, you know, when you look at Pittsburgh's drafts, I mean, nobody really pays attention to, you know, but Claypool, I think they'll move Claypool to tight end. I know a lot of teams that talked about moving Claypool to tight end and would have drafted him in the second round. I think McFarland's a really good player. I think McFarland's got a chance to be the alternate back. Highsmith can rush the passer, you know, and then they get this kid from Louisiana who started a thousand games. He didn't even get invited to the combine. He's like, one thing about offensive linemen, I think that's really important for the fans is look at how many games they start. Like all those Michigan guys started a ton of games. You need to draft linemen with experience. Now you also need them to have size and speed and all that. That's great. But drafts like that, you don't have to necessarily have a first round to maximize it out. And I think Pittsburgh did that, you know, so I don't know what they're going to get grade wise. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> but that's a good point that people all of a sudden, you know, have a first round pick, it's like people forget about them. So many people watch the draft Thursday, but of course drafts are always made partially in later rounds when you get that sleeper pick that no one's paying attention ends up being a sleeping john i do love claypool the product average for british columbia big guy went to notre dame i mean you're coming from a big school and it's a good point about the steelers they're always good so they never have great draft positions so you kind of take it for granted but then when they make good moves that's the product of having a good system having a smart front office and they're able to develop talent. See, that's the key. They understand what their systems are. They bring players in that fit, and they can develop talent. That's why I think the Rams will have a good draft. Now, Terrell Lewis, that's a huge – you got to hope that comes through. You know, it's like for the same thing with the Patriots. I mean, you know, the Patriots, they, they've got to be able to develop the talent of the players that they came in there. You know, they take the Dalton Keene kid. Okay, he'll be fine. They'll bring him in. They could bring him along. But the Asasi kid, the kid from UCLA, the transfer from Michigan, I mean, he's a really talented player. Player. either he wants to be a great player or not they got if they get it out of him at 91 that's a huge up and that's what the draft's all about is what staff is going to get the most out of them and will the player allow it sometimes the players just don't you know they don't really care enough and so you got to have to move on but I think that's the key to this draft you got to be able to develop the talent if the Patriots are able to develop that tight end they get a big time player you know, in the third round, a highly recruited kid. Same thing with the Lewis kid. So, you know, that's to me is what separates these drafts. And that's why it's so hard to grade them because you don't know where the kid is and how they coach him and develop them. Give us a grade right now on Apple Podcasts, the GM Shuffle. Let us know if you're giving me and Mike an A or an A+. We really appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, and review. Coming up next, we'll close up shop with some stuff you may have missed. Listen, Trent Williams got traded. What a steal it was for the Niners. Um, we'll find out if Luke Bryan is still singing. Colin Coward says the Pats were going to tank for Tua. And Belichick's dog. All that and more next. Thank you. 
All right, now some stuff you may have missed from the draft. Colin Cowherd, of course, at Fox Sports, formerly ESPN. April 17th, Colin reported the Patriots would use a, quote, premium pick on a top quarterback. New England only had one pick in the first two rounds. Number 23 overall, it would have needed to make a big move in order to land a quarterback. And, of course, Mike, they did not draft a quarterback. This was a miss. Yeah, I mean, I love Colin. Nice man, you know, works at it, works hard. Has these theories, though, you know, that are out there that, you know, look, we all have opinions and we're entitled to them, and that's what makes this country so damn good. But I don't know where he's coming up with this one. Like, he, whoever his source is on the Patriots, he needs to stop listening to that source. Or he needs to text me so I can help him out because that ain't what's going on there. A, they ain't tanking. So let's put that in perspective, right? They're not tanking. B... They were never going to try to trade up for a guy that they felt they believe, whether they're right or wrong, only they know because they've watched the kid practice. They watched Stidham for 20 weeks. They know what they think they have compared to Jimmy Garoppolo, compared to all these other guys they've had. They can compare them. They made the decision. It's not even close. Like, it's not even debatable. In all fairness, it's really not even debatable to think that Jake Fromm's better than – he's not. Trust me, this kid only was a fourth round pick because of circumstances at that ridiculous Auburn offense. So, but the fact that they're going to tank, like Colin needs, I just saw on Twitter today, he put Trevor Lawrence in a Patriot uniform. Like, seriously, can we stop it? It's enough. It's not going to happen. That's why I love the show when they do where Colin was right and where Colin was wrong, because at least then he can be self-effacing if he ends up missing some of these predictions. Yeah, I mean, look, it's if you're going to throw it out there, at least like when I threw out the Brady to the 49ers, I got my ass ripped, right? You're an idiot, Lombardi, which is fine, you know? <laughs> but at least I try to back it up with some facts, you know? Like, here's why I think it could happen, you know? Like, tell me when Bill Belichick's ever going to tank. Seriously. Yeah. Okay, how about this one then? This, this I think, is a news that kind of got missed a little bit. Trent Williams traded to the Redskins. Joe Staley expected to retire. Washington and Sam Fran agreeing to the terms of a trade a fifth-round pick, and a third-round pick for next year. Mike, that's a steal. And I understood your point, which you made on Friday, which is that team said, well, you know what? I can just go get an offensive tackle who's younger and cheaper than Trent Williams. But a third and a fifth? Look at what they got for Laramie Tunsil in terms of like trades for so-called big offensive linemen. No one's disputing Trent Williams' talent that he just wants more money than he's getting Washington. A third and a fifth? That's a win for John Lynch and the Niners. No doubt, and he trusts Kyle. You know, So look, Trent Williams is the first draft pick of Mike Shanahan when he was when he became the the Redskins head coach you know so Trent Williams trusts the Shanahans and I think that he had a huge influence in whatever they said to get a three and a five I mean look the Redskins how about my man the punter from Richmond the former general manager of the Redskins he turned down a one last year refused to do a deal I mean if there was ever a guy who did more harm to a franchise than the punter from Washington like seriously we could just go over chapter and verse of it like, the punter just killed him. And then last year, he turned down all those trades because he's smarter than everybody. See, here's the problem. When you think you're the smartest guy in the room, you better go to another room because you ain't the smartest guy in the room. And, and that's what happened with the punter. He thought he's the smartest guy in the room. And now look at the Redskins. They had to take a three and a five. I'll tell you what. I feel bad. Ron Rivera's got a mess to clean up. It's going to be a mess. And they – and. And this draft wasn't like, okay, we're really on the right track. They didn't have enough arsenal to get on the right track. I thought this was interesting. Likely due to COVID-19 and the uncertainty of if we're not going to have college football this fall, teams did not want to stockpile picks in a year where they're relying on two-year-old tape. In terms of those trades being made, Mike, you did not see a lot of picks being made because of the fact we don't know what's going to happen with college football in the fall. Yeah, I think that's true. And uh, are the guys going to get their year back? I think, you know, here's the other thing. I mean, 
you know, in terms of Kyle saying they're tanking, what happens if college football doesn't play next? And God, I hope not, you know, but what happens if, if Trevor Lawrence says to himself, look, I'm going to come back for my senior year regardless, you know, if you're tanking for him, I mean, I think, could he come back? I mean, look, we know CJ Henderson was not all shot in the ass when he got picked by Jacksonville. We know there's an underlying current of people that are not exactly excited to walk into the Jacksonville organization with, with bells on and be happy and singing Kumbaya. So could Trevor Lawrence next year say, you know what? I don't really want to come out in the draft. I'm going to wait like Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning could have been in New York. He went back to Tennessee. Like don't rule that out. So if you're tanking, you know, don't rule it out. I, I think that's important. Vegas will get their chance to host a draft in 2022, so we will see some players frolicking in the Bellagio Fountains. As we close up shop the last couple of minutes, so much talk about the virtual draft, the favorite home setup. Listen, the ratings were robust, and of course they were. Guys like you and me, anybody who's a sports fan is like, God, please, some sports content, and it was relatively seamless. It was great just to talk football and see those moves made. A couple of highlights here for you. You pick whichever one you want. Bill O'Brien getting mad in apparent trade nicks by the Lions, Belichick's dog, Zimmer's fireplace, or Gruden's apparent draft board well i mean i love zimmer's fireplace i mean there's nothing like a good fire not a gas fire like a good fire not all those animals on the wall there's no chance i mean there's no way and i got to give belichick's dog nike credit like i said to my son matthew i said did you see bill's dog i said you know if bella would have been sitting in that seat she could have got like gone viral and my son matthew said there's no chance bella would have been up at that time true because bella puts herself to bed at nine o'clock every night no matter what <laughs> Like she's going to bed at nine o'clock. If I'm watching a game, she's down in bed. Like she ain't waiting for my ass. She's going to bed. So, but I love Bill's dog. I love how Bill would just leave the camera and leave out of there. I love Bill's setup too. It's just all I could tell you is when that max out, the meeting's going to go for a long time. I can tell you that right now because there's a lot of shit in that Mac and that Mac computer. But I, I, I think what won it all is Billy O'Brien, MF, and Bob Quinn. I, I would have paid to hear that. Like, I literally, I got to think that Bob Quinn's got to have a cauliflower ear by now. Like, seriously, <laughs> his, uh, like, he got his ass chewed. And he provoked it. It was on him. Him and his, you know, he tried to take a, sh you know. Like, at some point, don't rattle Billy O'Brien's cage. Like, don't be doing that. Like, the guys, you, you know, these people on Twitter that make fun of them, like, it's hard to win games in the National Football League. It's hard to win championships. He's won the, the South a few years. He's not won a championship, but he's won. Don't rattle his cage. And then you come out there and act in holier than To me, they should have stayed on that shot. Like, I, I feel like we didn't do enough digging on that. I really don't. It was definitely one of those moments that you love to see because it was pure passion. It was purely from the heart. And like you said, I, I don't want to look away from that. I want to know more of why exactly he was so upset. As we close up shop, speaking of being upset, I know if you're wondering right now, why was this a more subdued Michael Lombardi? Here's the reason as we, we bring the hammer down on this one. Kristen Cavallari and Jay Cutler splitting up after 10 years and three kids. I know this one really hit you hard, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I feel, I mean, God almighty. I mean, the reality shows are going to be, my poor daughter-in-laws, I mean, they're going to be devastated by this. I mean, you know, we'll have to shift to uh, another show or something. I mean, I feel really bad. I, it's tough. I mean, it is bad. I mean, you feel bad when anybody gets divorced, but after 10 years, it, it, you, you got to be, how are you handling that? You're going to be okay. Uh, speaking of how you're handling it, we're taping this Sunday afternoon before Sunday dinner. And, you know, Homeland's coming. So the next episode of, of GM Shuffle, we'll close out Kerry. But I would like to make a prediction. Can I make one? <laughs> okay, I can't wait. I think she gets killed. I think it's over. I think Saul gets killed, too. I think it's over for everybody. Well, listen, 
I love the fact that you and I are big on Patinkin. Like, as you said in a recent episode of Jim Shelfie, you said, I love, I love me Patinkin. I love his walk. It's like, I just, I'm hoping the last shot is him walking out. If she dies, fine. But Mandy, I want Saul to live. Yeah, I would like him to live too. At least he's, you know, I would do that. I'd like that. We got the Jordan thing tonight, which is awesome to watch. So at least we got something, you know. But I didn't get Gruden's draft board either, by the way. Like, that looked like it was an Al Davis retro board. It was like, that's kind of how we had the boards when I was in, in Oakland. It would be the, you know, everything was handwritten up on the board. Then he had some guy coming in monitoring the board. Like, he couldn't get up and look at it himself. Like, that was kind of a weird thing. I didn't really understand all that. But, yeah. look, I think it was great for the fans to go inside the homes of some of these teams. I mean, you know, Zach Taylor, did he rent that desk at, at Coit Furniture? I mean, seriously, did they just move that desk in there? Like, we can't get a better desk than this. I mean, you know, shouldn't there have been, like, a commentary of, like, I don't know, Chip and Joanna, like, commenting on some of the – like, some of them looked incredible, but, like, some of them, like, like Zach, I mean, you got to get a better desk than that. You know, like, like you look like you got it from Coit Furniture. Seriously. Yeah. Shell out a little bit of cash. You mentioned, by the way, home as we close up shop. My brother, I, I when I read Great Iron Genius, I passed along to my brother. He wanted to tell you he enjoyed it. He particularly liked the chapter of Pet Peeves was enlightening. So if you have not read Great Iron Genius by Michael Lombardi, check it out. My brother giving an endorsement saying it's enlightening with the pet peeves. The next book you write, I can't wait for the chapter on Homeland. Uh, Good luck with the finale tonight. Thank you. 